everyone. Thanks for joining me on episode 17 of my Houston Sports Podcast. My name is Jeff Balky. I'm a writer for Houstonia Magazine and Houston Press. I also talk sports on Houston Public Media's Houston Matters program most Mondays at 12.45 p.m. on KUHF 88.7 FM here in Houston. You can hit me up on Twitter at Jeff Balky or via email jeffbalky at gmail.com. You can also find an archive of all my podcasts as well and links and notes from each of the uh, shows at jeffbalky.com, including links to my shows on KUHF every Monday. Today, the Astros prep for the Indians in the uh, American League Division Series. The Rockets are going to be very good this year. And I look ahead to the Texans-Cowboys on Sunday night football. So we'll start topic one, the Astros and the ALDS. The start is a 1 p.m. start tomorrow and Friday. You can thank the early start to the East Coast Media baseball gods who obviously want to run Yankees-Red Sox in the evening after the Yankees uh, won in their play-in wildcard game. The uh, first game for the Astros, though, a 105 start at Minute Maid. The opener is Verlander versus Corey Kluber. Bit of a draw. Um, both guys are uh, in sort of contention for the Cy Young. I think Verlander's got a better case than Kluber, but Kluber's been really good this year. I think there's a very good chance that... Uh, we could have a pitcher's duel in game one. We'll have to see. The Astros, again, not haven't been great offensively at home this season. So we'll have to you know keep an eye on that. It's a five-game series, obviously. So there are always issues in five-game series um, you know, in that you really do need to win fairly quickly in these series. Um, I think that, you know, the, the, the matchup between these two, if we just start with Astros-Indians, the reality is, is the Astros are just the better team overall, but Cleveland is not too far behind them. Um, you know, they're actually a pretty good baseball team, um, you know, and so it's going to be a challenge. I, I did a story about four things to watch, and and I'll just kind of run over those. The first was Astros pitching. I think, and, and we're going to have good starting pitching, I think, across the board. The Astros have good starters you know, that one of the best starting rotations in baseball. The Indians are not far behind them. Interestingly enough, though, it's the bullpens, I think, that are that are where the the X factor might be for the Astros. The Astros have one of the best bullpens in the majors. Um, and the Indians just don't. If you can get beyond their starters and in the playoffs, the tendency is to get beyond the starters. Because, you know, managers play games a lot tighter in the playoffs. And so, you know, you might see if a guy gets in trouble, you know, you get the bases loaded in the third, maybe fourth inning, they might pull a guy and head for the bullpen because you can't let a game get away from you, especially in a shortened series. I think the Astros really have the advantage in the bullpen. If Verlander goes six innings and you can go seven, eight, nine with like McHugh, Presley, and Osuna, I think it's just going to be very tough uh, for the Indians to beat them, assuming the bats can um, turn around. And that brings me to Carlos Correa. You know, Correa struggled with injury. He just kind of came back, then took a break, then came back again. Uh, he did look a little bit better when he came back, so that's good to see. We'll we'll have to see if he is able to produce and you know in the cleanup position like he has, or if they're going to have to move him down the lineup. Um, you know, he is an, a very very interesting uh, player in this lineup, a guy that can really ch- you know turn the tide. Uh, over to the Astros in a lot of different ways. The third thing I had was the de- the uh, designated hitter duties. 
The truth is Tyler White has played himself into that role. And the fact that the Astros are taking, I think they're only taking 11 pitchers into the ALDS. And this is owed to first, I think the fact that they have very good, very solid guys in the bullpen that they count on and, and, and starters that they can count on. But also, I think they have a number of bats that they don't want to leave. I mean, I don't think they, they don't want to leave Jake Marisnik off the list because of his, you know, just his defensive skills. I think uh, they think Gaddis and Tyler White can contribute, which I think they're not wrong about. So it, expanding the, the, the bats really makes a big difference and going with, you know, going with uh, 14 bats and only 11 arms for the 25-man roster, I think really does open that up. And so I think if you're seeing Gaddis and Tyler White, you know, you're giving yourself some more opportunities. And with a team that has struggled a little bit at times offensively this year, that's probably a good thing. The final thing to me is the is whether or not they can, you know, the experience and the spotlight. This is an Astros team that clearly loves the white hot lights of the playoffs. I mean, they they sort of revel in it, really. Especially a guy like Alex Bregman, who just seems to want to have the opportunity, you know, in those big pressure situations. There's some guys who shrink from it, and some guys who who rise to it, and then others who just kind of play the same and. Bregman and, and some of these Astros are guys that just rise to that occasion. So I think it's going to be really interesting to see how that plays out, especially if they get deeper into the playoffs or are able to get by the Indians. I think it's going to be really interesting to see how they are, you know, when that spotlight comes back to them. For this series, um, I really do think that it's going to come down to hitting for the Astros. I think their pitching, especially with their bullpen depth, is going to be more than enough against the Indians, despite the Indians being a very good hitting team. Um, I think the key is, can the Astros get to the Indians' bullpen? And I think it would be even better if they could get to the Indians' bullpen in Game 1. If they can somehow manage to get to Corey Kluber in Game 1 and force them to, to really bring some arms out of the bullpen, that's going to help them for the whole series. I'm not sure they can, Kluber's been pretty good against the Astros. The Astros have not done a good job of of, uh, supporting Verlander during the regular season. His run support is criminally low. Uh, I think I I noted last week that in his eight no decisions, he had a 1.01 ERA or something insane like that. Um, You know, so I think they haven't been great at that. And their bats haven't been great at home, obviously. So that would be the only concern. Beyond that, the Astros, I think, are a better team than the Indians. I think they should be the presumptive favorite to at least get back to the World Series, maybe win it. Um, So for me, I'm taking the Astros in four in the ALDS. I I don't think they're going to go and sweep the Indians. I think the Indians are, are a good ball club. Uh, I was listening to Richard Justice on the 610 yesterday and or day before yesterday, and he was saying he thinks the Indians might be the second best team in the AL after the Astros. So we shall see, but I think it's going to be a really uh, interesting series. And I, frankly, I just think the Rockets, excuse me, the Rockets, I was reading ahead of myself, the Astros, I think, are just the better ball club overall. So moving on to topic two, as you just heard me say, the Rockets, the Rockets looking good. Their first preseason game on Tuesday night versus Memphis. You know, I I don't want to read too much into the first preseason game, but I will say this. There was a smoothness to their offense 
They just didn't break stride. And, I mean, this should not come as a shock to anybody. They did bring back an, a lot of their players. Uh, P.J. Tucker did not play. Um, you see, had a couple of guys sitting out with sort of minor things. But, look, Carmelo Anthony looked comfortable. There was a really funny moment where he faked a, a three and then stepped in and took a long two, and he hit it, and then he sort of joked and said, my bad, to the to the bench. But he looked very comfortable, like going to his spots, getting rebounds, taking threes. You know, he looked really good and, and very comfortable out there. And so let's I, I wanted to sort of break down some of what, you know, the the guys that play that maybe some of which we hadn't really seen before. Michael Carter Williams, you know, look, he cannot shoot from the outside to save his life. But the thing about him is he's he's a very long player. He's a good defensive player at point. You kind of think of him as a guy that might be able to come in and give you some defensive minutes, shut some guys down. Um, and I think it's interesting if you brought him in into a sort of a guard heavy lineup with PJ Tucker as your uh, as your big man, you might be able to space the floor with Tucker because Tucker is a is a guy that can hit threes. So you've got like Tucker and Ennis out there, or Tucker and Carmelo out there. Even if you have Michael Carter Williams in the back, uh, you know, in the backcourt, you can still get some spacing. You know, if you have four other guys that can shoot, I think it might be tough if you put him. You know, and uh, Clint Capella out there a lot, um, but you know he runs the floor well. He passes extremely well. He's he's very long, so he had a good game the other night. Nineteen points. A lot of it just getting into the paint, getting points. I think I think he's going to be a guy that that the that the Rockets will ultimately uh, you know value as the season goes along, especially giving Chris Paul breaks here and there. Um, Marquise Chris. Now that was very interesting to watch him. He's, you know, my friend Dave Hardesty at uh, at Clutch Fans. He wrote a story about this, and he sort of put it as he called uh, Marquise Chris sort of like a um, a young Clint Capella with less upside. I think that's maybe not far off. You know, the, he had some flashes, but I think that's been his problem. He's had lots of flashes, but not lots of consistency. And you can see that from young players. I mean, he's like 21 and came in the league when he was 19. The hope is that you get him onto a team like this with a bunch of veterans, you know, with a guy like Nene, right? And with a guy, uh, and with somebody like Clint Capella now. Um, and with a guy like P.J. Tucker. These sort of tough guys uh, that can say, hey, listen, here's your deal. You come down here. This is what you do. Run the floor. Dunk the ball, block shots. You know that's your goal, and so I think that's. I think if if he can get some of that tutelage uh, this season under some of those players, it certainly helped Clint Capella. You know, working with Nene, then James Ennis. So James Ennis really liked what I saw from him. He does seem to me like a Trevor Ariza type. You know, he he dives for loose balls. He's uh, you know, he can hit the three, although we'll see how consistently he can hit. He's kind of an awkward shot. Um, but he's got super long arms, defensively got his hands in passing lanes a number of times. He's obviously good one-on-one defensively. Um, seems to really fit. He can run the floor. He runs. He, he sort of reminds me a little bit like, um, uh, you know, like a he's got that gazelle sort of running thing, but with Trevor. He says on Luke Bamute. Trevor Reese a hybrid a little bit, you know. You have that guy that has high energy and runs the floor. He got an alley oop at one point. I think it's he's going to be. I think he's going to fit in really, really well with this team and and the, what they're trying to do. Um, you know, look the the main guys. You know, Chris Paul and uh, 
James Harden. Harden didn't have a great game, but, you know, whatever. He still scored 20 points or whatever it was. And uh, Chris Paul and Eric Gordon. Chris Paul looked fantastic. I mean, he just, he just looks... He's one of those guys that you just feel like if he's in the game, he just holds everything together. You know, he's just a guy that sort of glues everything together. Like, if they're struggling a little bit, he's like, just give me the ball. I got it. And he'll go and get you, hit you a shot, you know. And he was phenomenal. And then, look, Eric Gordon looks great. He's thinner. He's hitting his shots. I mean, I don't know if he's playing to tell tell the Rockets, don't trade for Jimmy Butler because you want to keep me. And I I don't know what the situation is there, but, man, he looked really good. So their offense was as smooth as ever. Their defense looks solid. It's one preseason game, although they only play five now. So these games are more important. The Rockets are obviously working to condition themselves. You know, these guys are playing 25, 30 minutes even in the preseason. But the reality is the Rockets are just better than probably like 25 teams in the NBA. I mean, they are just on a night-in, night-out basis. Most of the time, they're just going to outmatch their opponents. They're just that good. They have so much talent. They have so much offensive firepower. They're just going to really... They're going to beat a lot of teams just simply because of who they are, simply because of how good, you know, that they are as a team. And I think that's what's going to rack up a lot of wins for them. Obviously, the key for them is to stay healthy. And then once they get into into the playoffs, uh, you know, to really turn it on and to ramp up that defense, um, you know, again, just keeping guys healthy, playing great defense, and, and then they're going to win a lot of games regardless. So I think that that is, those are the big things for them. Um, and, and if they can do that, um, then I think, you know, hey, man, it, the sky's the limit for them. I think they have as good a squad uh, as anybody out there, and they're going to be fun to watch. Okay, let's move on to topic three, the Texans versus the Cowboys on Sunday night football. So let's talk a little bit about... First of all, let's mention that um, J.D. Clowney was named Defensive Player of the Week, J.J. Watt Defensive Player of the Month. So these two guys, we really saw for the first time last week versus Indy, these two guys really looking like the the you know wrecking balls that we thought they could be, right? So let me just quickly take a look back at that Indy game. Let's just start by saying the Texans had no business winning that game. None. They should not have won that game. They were up 18, blew the entire lead, and if not for one of the most boneheaded calls in the history of football by Frank Reich, the uh, coach of the Indianapolis Colts and the former quarterback who led the greatest comeback in NFL history when Buffalo uh, beat Houston in the playoffs all those years ago, it was the most bizarre thing. And if you didn't see it, you know, it was a fourth down and four. They should have punted it away. They probably would have tied. You know, there's like less than a minute left in the game. Instead of a tie, he goes for it. They don't get it. The Texans go 15 yards, kick a field goal, and they win. And again, the Texans had no business winning. Defensively, they were great, though. They started to wear down a bit in the end of the second half and into overtime. The offense was very good at times. Um, I think Kiki Kuti was sort of a revelation, but really they they had no business winning that game, and they did. So we'll move on, and they got a win, which is hey good for them. But now they now they end up this Sunday Sunday night football against the Dallas Cowboys. Look, these are two very bad teams. They're not 
they're not great. And the Cowboys don't come to Houston that often. It's not exactly a storied rivalry. But, you know, when Dallas and Houston face off in anything, um, it always makes for some interesting... And, of course, the Texans, when they won that first game in the first season over Dallas, it was a huge game for them early on in the, in the franchise history. I think the biggest thing the Texans have to deal with is Ezekiel Elliott. Leads the NFL in rushing. They're going to rely heavily on their rushing attack. I think if you if you just match up, you know, running game versus run game, the Texans are at a disadvantage. They're just not very good at running the football. Um, Ezekiel Elliott and the Cowboys are are quite good at it. Um, I think it's this going to be mostly a defensive battle. I think it's going to come down to can the Texans, uh, you know, can the Texans defensively hold Elliott in check? Um, can they hold? the Dallas offense in check, which is not very good. And can Dallas hold Houston's offense in check? And Houston's offense hasn't been very, hasn't been exactly great, but they have been able to move the ball a little bit here and there. Of course, Indy is a terrible defense. So I have a hard time predicting this one. I'm basically going to call it for the Texans 21-20. And the only reason I'm going to do that is because I hate the Dallas Cowboys and I'd like to see them lose. Um, but look, I'm if, if I were to tell you that the Cowboys beat the Texans soundly, or if I were to tell you the Texans beat the Cowboys soundly, or that they tied in overtime, um, I don't think any of those could be disputed, because right now I'm just not sure which, you know, the Cowboys have a slightly better record, but they're not very good, and I just, it's too hard to guess on this one. I think the home field advantage, uh, sort of the defense that the Texans have displayed recently, um, and hopefully some of the resurgence of... uh, of uh, Deshaun Watson will make a difference. I will say this. They have got to do something to protect him. He's being hit more than any other quarterback in the NFL, and that is a recipe for disaster. And uh, the last thing they need to do... I mean, I, who who was the genius that decided not to draft or, or make deals for any offensive linemen besides Rick Smith and then ultimately Brian Gain? I mean... You know, again, this is just one more of the issues that we come down to when we're dealing with the Texans. But this weekend, Sunday night football, at least should be a fun game um, and uh, on a Sunday night and with a national TV audience. You know, the Texans do not do well on national TV, so another thing to factor in. But we will be watching. All right, that's going to do it for me for episode 17 of my Houston Sports Podcast. Welcome to a very hot October, which I'm sort of miserable about. But it is October, and there's lots of good things going on in sports. As soon as it cools off outside, I'll be much happier. Uh, Just a reminder, I will be on Houston Matters on KUHF next Monday, October the 8th. Um, Then I will be back here again on Thursday. Again, you can find me on Twitter at Jeff Balky by email, jeffbalky at gmail.com. And you can check out all my previous episodes and links to the things I've discussed here on my blog, jeffbalky.com. Until next week, uh, go Texans. Go Astros, more importantly than anything. And uh, Rockets, stay healthy. We'll see you next week.